Uh, distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the National Library of Australia. I'm Marie-Louise Ayres, and it's been my privilege for just over a week to be the Director General of the National Library of Australia. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of this land on which we meet and which we are now privileged to call home. I thank their elders, past and present, for caring for the land, acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and connection to country, and extend this respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples here with us tonight. Now, our exhibition, The Cell, Australian Advertising 1790s to 1990s, celebrates the colourful, humorous, and often provocative history of Australian advertising and the products and ideas it promoted. From wanted posters to ads for underwear and chocolates, from Vegemite to Victor Amoas and Lord Help Us, the Charger, the Chrysler Charger, from Life Be In It uh, to Do The Right Thing, the cell showcases the National Library's enormous collections of posters, pamphlets, magazines and original artwork. They document brands, names and campaigns, some remembered, some long forgotten, and some, like two really striking 1930s posters for Palaco and tourism, that make us pause as they use or represent Aboriginal people and cultures in ways that we would not think of as respectful today. Ephemeral by nature, often lasting in impact, advertising reflects the ways in which Australian society has and has not changed over the centuries. Now, although this material wasn't meant to last, it has, thanks to the dedicated work of colleagues here at the National Library and of those who help us to develop our collections. We've unearthed a wealth of material from the National Library's archives to tell Australia's advertising story, shedding light on 200 years of Australian life. Now, a name that is synonymous with advertising and media and who can scatter his papers with a plomb and get them back again in Australia is Harold Mitchell, AC. Harold is the founder of Mitchell & Partners, which has evolved into the largest media and communications group in Australia today. He serves as chairman of a number of organisations, including Free TV Australia, the Australia Indonesia Centre and TVS, which is the University of Western Sydney's television service for Greater Sydney. In 2000, he launched the Harold Mitchell Foundation to promote health and the arts in the community. The organisation has since provided more than $6 million in grant funding to more than 100 different organisations, including this one. Yeah, there you go. Thank you, always. Harold was appointed Companion of the Order of Australia in 2010 for eminent service to the community through his leadership and philanthropic endeavours in the fields of art, health and education and as a supporter of humanitarian aid in Timor-Leste and Indigenous communities. We're just delighted that Harold was able to open the cell for us and thrilled to have him here with us again this evening. Now, joining Harold tonight is a very dear friend of the National Library, Alex Sloan. Alex has been a journalist and broadcaster with the ABC for 25 years, working with ABC Rural, Radio National and, of course, ABC 666 here in Canberra. Known for her warm and engaging presence on our radios, we were all surprised when she announced her retirement from 666 ABC Canberra last year. However, while we miss her voice on air, we're delighted she has not entirely retired from microphones. And I'm sure we were not surprised that she was today made ACT's Citizen of the Year. So yeah. congratulations, yeah. Alex. <laughs> 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 
Now, this pair have shared an on-air conversation for many years. And in fact, many of you told me that's what drew you here tonight. You'd heard them talking <laughs> over the years. And tonight, they're continuing that conversation for us, sharing stories of their careers in advertising and the media, reflecting on the history of Australian advertising and how it has shaped our society. So please join me in welcoming Harold and Alex. Mm. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Marie-Louise, and congratulations on this fantastic role. Just great to see three women directors um, in a row. I think it's mm. just wonderful. And an inner north tragic, such as myself, so that's just wonderful. Um, Look, I, my job is to not get in the way of Harold, and it's no, just a kind of just, not. it's like going on a speedboat and just steering him just away from the rocks occasionally, because he's got so many fantastic stories. Um, Harold, as you know, we've been talking for you know, how I long? I can't remember. We met, uh, I was chairman <laughs> of the National Gallery, I was 70 yeah. kilos heavier, and uh, you, were, you were sitting on a windswept little bench <laughs> Uh, we were opening something over at the gallery, doing what's called an OB. Yes. And that was, and it was good. We got and he, and he took pity on me. Mates ever, no, 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 we've been mates ever since. We have been, and um, I think the conversations that we'd have, we've had over the years have ranged on all kinds of topics, but I think we know from Harold that he's a, a proud Australian, and he's the former country boy mm. with a pretty fabulous rags-to-riches story. It hasn't all been easy, um, and he worked like crazy to achieve the things he has. He's keep working and he's giving, he's giving it all back, which is... Am I allowed to speak? Later? Yeah. Okay. In a minute. <laughs> okay. All right. This is what I mean. Right. I just want to... Okay. Just a little bit of a tribute to they you. Did, but they did just the, hear it for a they minute. Did, they did the really long... I've got my pen in my hand. I know. I did, they, <laughs> they did the really long um, uh, introduction. That, that was a lot, that's terrible. They should have said the short one. Alex has a real problem... Uh, on the radio. Interestingly, we're never in the same studio, uh, but we, it sounds as if we are. And I noticed the times, sometimes I would come to Canberra, uh, Alex is hopeless without the pen. Have you <laughs> noticed the pen? And one day I leaned over and took it off and <laughs> fell apart completely <laughs> on, on air because, uh, did you write much down or not? Did it ever? It's just a... You got it, yeah. I think it's, you so know, we all grew up I watching Terry O'Brien with so the I green So I bought a pen. So I have a pen, and, and um, I've got a lot of prepared notes. I, I grabbed a whole lot of notes about another subject, actually, so just so that you'd know I've prepared stuff, so I, which I've done. I'm sorry Every now and then, Harold, you'll throw out a, a fact or a figure, and I'll just write it down, and then I'll bring you back to it. It's clever, kind of a crucial clever. device. Because I've forgotten by then, because <laughs> it's not good. I, opened, I very proudly opened this, the exhibition here, uh, maybe two months ago, or, so, or whatever it was. And apparently it was a very good speech. And they told me that. It is so frustrating. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> and, and I never write them down. And so I've got no idea. No idea. No, no idea. That's the beauty of you, Harold. I know. Um, because the cell which Harold opened, which I've just had a really quick... Susanna, it's thank you good. so much. It's just a beautiful exhibition. So if you haven't got to see that, please go and see the exhibition. And... Was advertising the perfect job for you, Harold? Was no, that no, was interesting. I, I um, some, some would know because we didn't talk about this much on the radio, but I had the great disadvantage of never finishing high school and an even bigger disadvantage of never going to university. So uh, I can tell you that that is the best thing that you could ever have in life. So I started in a little country town, uh, Sawmilly, uh, had uh, the sort of background that people... Uh, would, ha would have had at the time, and it wasn't good. I didn't know it wasn't good. It was just life, you know. My mother ran away many times. Finally, at 15, she did, and I just missed going to an orphanage. So I went to work uh, in the sawmill, and that was me at 15, I think. And I thought, this is not good because uh, you can lose fingers and it's noisy and all that, but noble and things. My dad, wonderful. He worked in, in sawmills, and that had been his life. And, and uh, I thought... I'm going to do something different. It was in a country town in Victoria, and in 1958-9, only AM radio, uh, so that would only go about uh, the curvature of the Earth, so about 60 miles in those days, and then it would run out of signal, and that's all you could hear. But at night time, the signal would bounce off the clouds. So this little town, way in the middle of Victoria, I could hear radio stations in Melbourne and Sydney. And I'd never be, been to Melbourne or Sydney, you just didn't do stuff like that, I could tell you. And uh, I, I listened to... Uh, 
uh, 2UE in Sydney, 2GB, uh, and a radio station to Melbourne. I thought, that's it, I'll get into radio. And, and I wrote off lots of, lots of uh, uh, applications. All come back, no, 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 no. And, uh, you know, kids today worry about not getting a job. That's just the way that it was. So, I, and this is another good story about the kids because I saw uh, an ad in a, in a paper, the age as it was, got to, got to this little country town on the Saturday uh, for an office boy in an advertising agency, which is what this was all about. And I thought, that's it, I'll get that job and then I'll stay six months, then I'll get into radio. And I was 15, what did I know? So, so I, I did, I rang long distance on the Sunday night, that impressed the heck out of them. Can you be here on Monday morning, the man said, Mr. Cheel, you always remember, everyone remembers their first job and how it happened. And I said to Mr. Cheel, yes, I can be there at nine o'clock in the morning. The train from Adelaide stopped in Stall, my little town, at 5.15, and uh, went on to Melbourne. And so I, I, I was there. I, uh, uh, I didn't have a suit, as I recall, but that didn't matter. I'm an office boy. Uh, and I got there at nine o'clock. Now, I got the job because I, I came the furthest and I could tell a lie. Because uh, I've always, if you ever tell lies, you know, unless you're a natural liar like Trump or something, but, but, you, but, but you, I just lived with this my whole life. Because the man said, had I, did I, had I had my matriculation? Of course. <laughs> and of course, I finished intermediate, and that was, that was it. <laughs> I, I, I was terrified for the whole, I think I was there for seven years of that job, because I didn't know you were allowed to leave any job, you know? When you got the job, you had to stay. And, and so I was terrified they'd, they'd find out I didn't have my matriculation. But what a great, great thing that happened because the office boy before me had been a, a man called Philip Adams. And, 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 and before, before him uh, was uh, another who became a great film producer. Philip, smart ass that he is, he taught me everything. Like he, he, <laughs> he was. He was um, he told me about these people in the, in the world who were communists. I'd never heard of a communist. We didn't have one in our country town, our little store. Uh, he was the communist, actually, as it turns out. And, and he, he had all the black gear and everything like that. I always look around at the crowd at this, at this stage uh, because upstairs, he said, one of the art directors, very clearly, wonderful, wonderful people that I just worked with, just incredible. Um, Fred Skepsy had been the office boy before, before Philip, so you just imagine. Upstairs, one of the very gifted art directors was a lesbian. I said, what? <laughs> we didn't have lesbians in store either. <laughs> and I, I just had this incredible, incredible education I could never have got anywhere else because advertising and advertising agencies, that's where people worked who had great talent. Advertising was only a phenomena of about the last 70 or so years in, West, in the Western world with American differentiation between products. But just gifted, gifted people got into advertising, uh, artists, uh, writers, uh, before they went back to being all the things they really wanted to be. And what, so what, do you, what do you think the key attributes are of being a really smart advertising person? What, what is it? Well, and, and, and I think I picked it up, it was good, having a very open mind. And it's a good thing about life generally. Just, just uh, not having preconceived ideas, uh, we were that. And, and the other thing, surprising enough for me, is being a, a, a great listener. Just understanding people out there, all different, what is it they were, and then finally being able to just sum it up. And, and uh, that, that, that's, that's what sold products, it sold politicians, and uh, it, uh, it was what these incredible people were. It's all gone, it's all changed. Do, I mean, you, do you re remember a sort of key early moment when you backed yourself, when you knew you, you kind of went out there on a limb and backed yourself? What, what, what are those? Do you reckon lying about the matriculation wasn't out there? <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I did. I did. There was another one. Oh, so embarrassing, Alex. Goodness. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Trouble Carol. with this one. Yeah. Harold. Um. <laughs> I well, well. Firstly, I arrived in Melbourne uh, to start the job, and and I had uh, one pair of shoes, um, um, one set of clothes. I think that was about it. And I um, lived at the YMCA for two weeks, then a boarding house. Boarding house. There's another story in itself. Anyone ever lived in a boarding house? No. Canberra is a place of hostels, actually, whole, whole so there's a great house. big history there. <laughs> so that, but then finally, uh, I was very proud to have got a, um, a flat where I lived by myself. It was a converted bathroom at the back of a pie shop in Richmond. Here, here's the embarrassment. Um, the lady who was the boss of the area that I was in, lovely lady, 
uh, she uh, wanted to invite me somewhere. Did I have a telephone? Well, I didn't have a telephone. But I knew the pie shop had the telephone. And so I got the number and I gave it to her. And I told her I was living one of the posh suburbs, wherever it was. Or I was a bit vague about that anyway. Um, but I didn't know that the old telephone uh, numbers, uh, in fact, gave you the area of where you were. And that was, that was in 1961. And so I, I died of embarrassment again. But she covered for it all because I was obviously lying about my education where I lived. It was not good, not good. <laughs> so I was okay with all that. Yeah. But you did... You did Continue education though, because he went to I RMIT. Did, I did, didn't you? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, it's, and it, it, education should never stop. I, in fact, I, I went to a great tech college, as it turns out. We don't have enough of them. Silly governments cut the funding for them, it's stupid. But I went to a thing called RMIT. And, uh, and they had a little fledgling class in communications and things like that. And so I did that, I felt I should. But then I gave it up when uh, the, the teacher, who was part time advertising man, happened to work where I worked. Uh, dreadful drunk and needed the money, and uh, and I I knew I had to give up when I used to write his notes uh, for his for his uh, his classes, and I thought I think I'm catching up here, and so I, I left after that. But I I don't you know I, Alex I don't think you ever stop learning, and and if I uh, I'm 75 this year, and I don't want to stop being amazed by something new all the time. Well, someone kindly mentioned that I I write for the Fairfax Press. It's dying underneath me, unfortunately, but anyway, we keep writing. And, and uh, uh, I, I do that because it just keeps your mind going. It's like today I wrote one for next Friday because I won't be around during the week and about all sorts of things. And I actually, I wrote about the fertility rate where I don't know what we're doing to our, to our, our families, uh, our kids, our country. The fertility rate, you know, you, you remember the famous Costello, which is one, one for mum, one for dad, one for the country, which was three. And if you do that, you continue to expand the, uh, the Australian population. Without expansion, you go backwards. And it, it's, it's dropped from 2.1 to 1.8 because kids now are frightened about everything. Um, they, they can't afford a house. Uh, their job, you know, how secure is it? And so they're not having kids. That's a terrible thing to do. So back to education, if you stop learning, you give up. My dad, one little story about my dad. Uh, I know I'm going to live okay now because uh, my, my mum, sadly, alcoholic, but died at 82, not a bad effort. Um, uh, they, they actually didn't have to cremate her, she was pickled already, so I, I can laugh about her. She, she was a wonderful lady, sad story. And my dad, um, I went to Israel, first time I'd been there, um, was, I was planning to, last November. Uh, I went to see my dad a week before his 96th birthday, and I felt I should do that. And, and uh, uh, he was always good. He'd, he'd lived up in the country, a uh, wonderful place, and he'd always shake hands. Saw them, great big hands, saw them, and strong. So before he shook hands with me, I'd always sort of muscle up, <coughs> shake him, and he'd say, strong handshake, son. Well, a minute later it wasn't, I could tell you, but, but, but um, <laughs> w w we had a wonderful chat for an hour, and then I, I went to Israel. I arrived in uh, Dubai, almost to Tel Aviv, uh, the morning of his birthday. And I got a phone call. Wonderful story. Uh, he, um, he woke up on the morning of his birthday at 6.30 a.m. And 96, just tremendous. Uh, his wife, third wife, they hated each other. Hated each other, but they put up with it for 30 years. And, and she said, good morning, darling. She told him the story, so I don't know about the darling. Anyway, good morning, darling. Happy birthday, you made it. And this is the most amazing thing. He looked at her and died. <laughs> Gone. Gone. What a, a way, to go. way to go. What a way to go. If you... 96, they tell me that um, whilst about 0.3% of people should die on their birthday, that's the way it works out, 5% of people die uh, on their birthday. They sort of hang on to get there or something. And he was terrific. He was fine. <laughs> so it's fine. So I, I'm going on my 96th birthday. And that's it, Alex. So. <laughs> now, good. is everyone hearing, just checking on the sound, is everyone hearing okay? Yep. We yep. never do that on the radio, do we? We just do it. And you're all getting your dinners. I, I, I once said to Alex, do you think there's anybody out there? I, just, <laughs> I, I didn't know, you know. We, the, the other thing we used to do is we found out there's a computer up, up in the parliament uh, which listens to everything. There's nobody there, just a computer. But, but if you say somebody's name three times, it kicks in and, and it, it puts all of what we just said on that person's desk. So every now and then I would say, Senator Conroy, Senator Conroy, Senator Conroy. He used me <laughs> appallingly. I knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get yeah, it yeah. in the three times. And then, I, then I'd say it all the way we go. 
no, no, my life has been good. How will you miss all of this, Alex? I mean, you loved it. I miss talking to you, Harold, but... No, 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 no. What are you going to do? We all want to know what you're going to do. What are you going to do? Travel? Just be happy. Yeah, we're going to travel. We're going to... See, the other thing is... travel next year. We're all going to live 20 years longer than we thought. This is buggered up everything. Well, that's what you hope, but you don't know that. That's not guaranteed. I will. I'm not going out. You know, if, yeah. I, if, I hadn't, if the wife hadn't killed me and I smoked, don't drink, I should be right. My dad, it's a good thing. But see, it was easy one time. You'd, you left school whenever you did. You got a job. You stayed at that job till you retired when you were 65. And two years later, you died. It was easy. Easy. Now, <laughs> now, you've got another 30 years. What are you going to do? Well, there's plenty to keep interested, isn't there? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, it amuses me that people think, oh, when, it, when you leave a job, in fact, I might write something for her camera uh, on this, on, on the R word, on retirement, that people are Don't so resistant. No. People are so resistant about retiring, and I actually, so far, are finding it marvellous. Brain clearing, thinking yep. of nec- the next thing. Yeah. I haven't even got to read any books, Harold. Happy so. New Guinea, we go back and do that? Ha- Happy New Guinea. I'd love to go to Papua New yeah, Guinea. Carol do does a lot of work in Papua New Guinea. Tell us what you do in Papua New Guinea. Well, Papua New Guinea, I first went there in 1976. Uh, they were one year into their own independence, which we gave them, and uh, it was an advertising job. I went there. They were wonderful people. One Sunday morning, I remember, it was about Air New Guinea advertising the, uh, that airline, and I can remember these wonderful, friendly, uh, just tremendous people. I went back there about eight years ago, maybe, eight or something, uh, with Stephanie Capus-Campbell. I think many of you would know Stephanie, good mate, worked with me and for me and, and, and things like that. Uh, and uh, Stephanie was the AusAid commissioner uh, there. I was appalled. I was totally appalled that what, how did we allow this to happen? Uh, the place is corrupt. It's got the highest level of uh, everything you could ever imagine. Uh, most women are being used and abused in every way. Uh, Stephanie was just telling me this week that the birth rate has now gone to eight, eight, which is terrible. Um, it, it's appalling and terrible, and it's a failed state. And it's our fault. It's our fault. So that's my message for a while, I think, that where we can make a difference, we do. It's what I did with Jadana uh, uh, Guzman. I got to know Jadana one year out of... One out of uh, prison in Indonesia where, as a terrorist, he'd been there, but he really, he was just a nationalist for East Timor, and I got to know him through his wife, who was a, a Melbourne person, and uh, so I, uh, I, I, went, I went to East Timor to, to see it, their, their birth rate was at eight two, and it was terrible, but they're trying to get through it all, and I just think that Australia is such a good place um, that we, uh, we owe it to ourselves just to look after where we can and near, near neighbours. And so well, that's what I want to do. People will remind us what both East Timorese and Papua New Guineans did for us. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're part of our region. And yeah. yeah. Harold, what, what... I think our government is hopeless. They just don't get it. I've told the foreign minister this and, you know, she knows. She's a good person, but uh, they get caught up in... Uh, we'll probably go to another war in the next three years. It's dopey, isn't it? Dopey. Do you what want you... to continue that theme and scare the war? whatever out of us? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, 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 I do. I, I, I went to a... I never go to conferences. Um, even the big company that I built, I sold it to a, a lot of English people. And, uh, and uh, God, did we clean up there? They're dopey, I can tell you. We made a lot of, we made a lot of money, but I didn't trust them. So I, I was on the board. I, I was the second biggest shareholder of this company, and I went to London every, <coughs> every four weeks. Uh, I, and I felt like Humphrey Bogart because I left my clothes there, had the sa- same hotel room and everything like that. But um, I, uh, I stayed for two years to make sure they just didn't bugger it up, and, and they didn't. Uh, but the, the, the young managing director fellow said, um, you'll come to the conference in Boston or something. I said, no, I don't go to conferences. I've never done it, no. He said, we'd like you to be a speaker. He said, I'm there, I'm there, I'll be there. Okay, so I, w- I went to that one. I didn't go to the next, the next one and, and the one after that, but... I did go to one on my own accord to, uh, in America to do a Google conference. And I remember sitting, two things I remember about that. They had a band there playing called the Black Eyed Peas. You ever hear, hear that? Yeah. Not my, not my era. Just got to adjust your... Not happy? Is that better, Gregor? Does that agree? Just pull it, pull it out around oh, the amount. Oh, right. Yep. Well done. How's that? You? No? Just adjust. Just tuck in. 
Tuck in while we adjust. Whatever happened to the old <laughs> microphones? Now it's gone. I remember um, this conference, uh, a man called Ted Turner sitting on a stage like this, and we're in the middle of the Iraq war, which, you know, is just a disaster. I'm, 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 I'm practical about life. People have been fighting with each other for two, 3,000 years. They're not going to stop. But um, he said one, uh, Ted Turner said one thing about war. He said, war is stupid. Why kill your customers? And I thought about that. that that's just dopey, just dopey. So we'll stumble into one. Um, I don't know quite where it'll be. I mean, if, 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 if they're rebuilding NATO along the Russian border and Putin's doing all that, it goes into Ukraine, who knows? World War I started with just a single shot and that happens. Um, uh, back into the Middle East again, you know, the South China Sea. These things start by accident and then they're there. Mm. And, and it's terrible. Well, but, I, I, have a, I have a brother. But that, that trade and business connection now between China and the US mm. in that Silicon Valley provides all I that. know, I know. The, and China does all the hardware. Yeah. So there's a really, there's a very big relationship there that yeah. perhaps is a disincentive to war, isn't it? Oh, yeah, massive. But yeah. wars are started by generals and other people like that. You know, they don't... They don't worry about Silicon Valley. <laughs> they just, off, they, off they go. They so, so you're pretty gloomy, are you? No, no, no. I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the biggest optimist in the world. I'm just practical about life and where and how and what. Um, I, I do worry about one thing in the West, and it's this, because I've been able to adjust uh, in, in my business. I beat every big company in the world. Uh, I started a digital business one year after Google, so I sort of worked all that out. We pushed into Asia because it's the Asian century, so I'm okay about about all of that. But I was sitting on a panel with um, the former Canadian uh, Prime Minister Harper last week, the biggest Israeli thing, and and he said, you know, uh, governments aren't keeping up with economies, and there's something about that because Brexit happened, uh, Trump happened, and here uh, the the government which should have been in for two or three terms nearly just scraped by. What happened? They forgot about the people. They started to look inwards and they didn't look out. There's, there's no doubt that Australia, uh, there's two things that we are. Wonder we don't have enough population. That doesn't mean we have to overpopulate, but we are a nation of immigrants and that's happened and that's built us. Uh, we, together with Canada, uh, are the greatest, uh, the two biggest multicultural nations in the world. And if you look at the history of just everywhere, um, it was immigrants uh, who, built, who built the country. Israel, look at Israel, you know, it's just amazing. Eight and a half million people, they've got 10% uh, for just from 70 years of existence. They've got 10% of the world's cyber security industry. They've got more start-up businesses than all of Europe put together. Immigrants, all immigrants. Australia, all immigrants. Uh, America, immigrants. Silicon Valley, immigration. So we, 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 it's true that we should have... Um, uh, we should have our borders protected. I'm OK with that. But you don't overdo that to the point uh, where we need to keep our nation alive. Um, I was with a wonderful man yesterday who's got one of the biggest private companies in Spain. Um, I love saying this because try to get your head around this name. I've known him for about a dozen years. Through the arts, I won't say. Jose Manuel Entrecanales. You like that? They're beautiful. You're lovely. <laughs> he, he's just a tremendous man. Spain, uh, an economy the size of Australia, population 60 million. They have six, uh, 60 million. They have 6 million uh, illegal immigrants, and it works. And it works. Their economy's okay. It's growing at a better rate than ours. Israel, the economy is growing at 50% of that of ours. We, we need to open our minds and our borders. Now, I know what you mean. I know how governments get in about uh, stop the boats and all that, and I'm not against that in every way. But, but, we but you'd be, are you, in terms of the cruelty that's going on oh, in terrible. our name? That's terrible. What do you mean by that? Well, what's going on on Manus Island or oh, in terrible. detention centres? Stupid, centers terrible, terrible. Just putting people in there and saying that's... Terrible, terrible. We're better than that. We're better than that. I mean, it, it costs us half a million dollars per, per person on Manus. That's stupid too. That's stupid. Anyone, in Cam anyone up on the hill listen to us? We gave them plenty of advice, didn't we? Over the years. Yeah, what, what about the ABC? Now, is that, is, it's, <laughs> no, it's, he's going to turn on me. <laughs> that, and that, it's, it's, it's no longer your ABC, of course. It is my ABC as a taxpayer. I know, I know, I know. I'm still I know. paying tax on my superannuation. So, How are they going? Know. What do you think? That the ABC? Yeah. 
Look, uh, I, I, the big I, just, I want an emphasis on, and I said this in my speech today, an emphasis on, I just want to hear the word journalism said a bit more often than yeah. digital clicks. Rubbish. I just, yeah. the public broadcaster, it is our job. We are publicly funded to hold people to account. To and, talk, and, and talk truth to, how to do they find? How are they going to find people like you? They've got plenty. Of, there's plenty of people like me. They, they, but they let but you, you just, out to do you, things. You need because you used to push the barrier, didn't you? No, I was yes, very tame, tame person. No, <laughs> no. Everyone knew what you were saying. <laughs> no, yeah. but I think public broadcasters, and and that's you know, there's been research that has found that democracies that have really strong and mainstream public broadcasters are the strongest democracies. They are. They are. So I think. I just hope the ABC continues to embrace the really strong journalism that, and, and, that and we be, always have. And be have. brave and take things on. Sorry? Be brave and take things on. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's all over if we just close everything up. Yeah. And, yeah. and look, I know it, the digital revolution is you know, throwing things, all things up in the air, Maybe but there's still some core principles there. And that's about speaking truth to power, holding mm. people to account and holding them to account. Let's talk about Malcolm Turnbull. Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> Let me have a look. It's a, that's a, just a classic uh, uh, deflect I'm looking, I'm looking around this room. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not so good. what are you making? What, what's, what's going on, Harold? What, Nothing. That's the trouble. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> oh, I think Is he's... he in a bind because he's there with yeah, the, I, the, the, the reason the, I've known Malcolm for 30 years. He hates me. Just hates me. <laughs> hates me. That I know. He foolishly told other people, but I don't care. Uh, I'm uh, just, just in every way. <laughs> this will get back somewhere, Alex. This won't be good. There's no one listening. No, no, I, I, I'm all right with that. Keating, I, when I used to go to London, uh, I took one little bag and I, I read a lot, um, flick through books, do all those things. Uh, start at the back. I wrote a book, sold out. It was very good. But I, I know that uh, when you're writing a book, you usually the la use the last three pages to sum up everything you said. So I just start with the last three pages, and sometimes that'll be it. Uh, but Keating's Book of Speeches was a wonderful book that I, I took to London. I couldn't fit in my bag to bring home, so I tore out uh, just two pages. Uh, one was about Asia, 1997. We must engage, engage with Asia. It's at our peril if we don't. I remember that. He was so right. The other one was a speech he gave about leadership. You just think of this. The story is Malcolm uh, about leadership. He said, there are many things about leadership. I was lucky enough to lead our business, many other things, and I've always thought of this. Leadership. One, it's about imagination. What does that mean? Where are we going? What, what can we do? There's a great example here, this library and the things that it is. It's brilliant. All of Canberra is fantastic. I was chairman of the National Gallery uh, here, which was uh, to be the 100 great pictures that we should own. It's now got 30,000 pictures there. The walls still only hold 100, but it was, but it was a wonderful thing to do. Uh, the, uh, the High Court. So someone had the imagination that these things could happen. But the second point of leadership is courage. And in fact, if you don't have courage, it just nothing else works. Every day, because I've led our business for 40 years, every day you have to make decisions and, and some will be a bit tough uh, about, about all sorts of things. Someone will get upset. Um, but nevertheless, you have to make the decision. You could probably put it off. Um, you, you could. They're the two choices. Put it off uh, or make the decision. Sometimes you get it wrong. I've done that in my life. One of the problems about, about current leadership is do people really have the courage? Now, you need to believe in things and then, and then prosecute them. Maybe the current PM is missing some of that. Do you think that... Maybe not. Because you had, you, you had the long Howard era, and do you think the kind of rot set in with our changing Prime Ministers when Kevin Rudd, who said it, climate change is the greatest moral challenge of our time, mm. refused to go to a double dissolution? I know. Was that the start of this exactly. tumbling yeah, yeah, yeah. situation we now yeah, have? Yeah, 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 and that's, yeah. that's, your, that's the example of courage? Or yeah. not? And, and the other thing is you can't say, well, if, if we do that, we might lose. That's the other part of being a, a loser. A leader, make sure that you don't. You've got to take people along with you. You've got to tell them. It's. Um, uh, I, 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 ch I chair a, a body corporate. Um, I only do that because it's in the building I live in. I don't trust anybody else. And, and, and I've been doing it for 27 years. 
And, and it was the best experience I ever had about leadership. 72 people in this great big building. Um, uh, I, uh, and when I got into it, I bought a little apartment. It was funny. It belonged to Billy Snedden and no one knew about it. I know. I know. Mirror, mirrors on the wall, ceiling, everything. everything. <laughs> it, but but it, it was going broke and it was awful. But see, the magic place in, uh, next, next to the, uh, where we have uh, breakfast in Spring Street in Melbourne. And I found out about, about how you lead. I tell you, anyone who's in a body corporate, you'll know, um, you have to take the people along with you. And, and because it's their money and it's the biggest investment they ever had. So, uh, and I, have another, I had another one um, in, in Sydney, the, the Astor, which is a wonderful old building there. Interesting story, these two. Uh, both of them had lifts, two lifts. One was really old, the Astor was built in 1927, wonderful building, and the other one, 1976. <clears throat> and the lifts have to be replaced every now and then. Body corporate fees, you all know those. Uh, and they hurt and they're hard, but they're necessary. You don't have to keep refurbishing. And the Astor had a whole lot of rich, snobby people who didn't talk to each other. Suddenly, the lifts had to be rebuilt, 800,000. Everybody got a massive, massive levy you know, 50, 70 grand, one third of the building sold out. That was it, just gone. My building, um, I've been telling people, uh, I give a little speech at every, every uh, annual general meeting of uh, the need for a couple of things. One, uh, the lifts will have to be replaced. We're putting money aside. And five years into that little speech, someone said, we don't have those lifts yet. And then, then finally they were there and didn't cost anything. We saved it all up. The other one, this is life sadly, I've been saying there, is about security. We'll need to keep increasing the security, the cameras and all the things like that. So, John Howard took the people along with him. Bob Hawke took the people along with him. Malcolm would know where the people are. There you go. So... <laughs> <laughs> You, 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 know, you know who you ordinary people? Kerry Packer. I had a lot to do with Kerry, um, but I didn't spend much time with him. He was too, he was too in your face, I can tell you that. Um, he would talk. He loved to talk. All those Rupert's the same. Rupert loves to talk. Rupert's terrible gossip. So I was the biggest customer. Uh, it was fine. I made it work because I would see Kerry once or so, or so a year, uh, twice maybe. We was biggest customer, trusted each other, didn't write anything down. It just worked. And um, Kerry ran this very successful Channel 9, uh, took over the Women's Week, they ran all of that. Those two organisations were completely of the people. Kerry understood ordinary people, and I'm damned if I know how he ever did it, because I don't think he knew any. But, <laughs> but, but you would see, Kerry would, he, he would just, uh, he's a wonderful surgeon, uh, a, a doctor, who was there when he died, uh, John, told me that Kerry was pretty crook in the last six months and uh, John said, well, you know, the liver, the kidneys, all that. And you want to, but you can have a second opinion. Kerry said, okay. So uh, got into his tracksuit. They go out, they hire a Boeing 737, which is what Kerry travelled in, and they went to New York in the tracksuit and uh, got there, stayed in the tracksuit, got out of the plane. We're going into John Hopkins um, and uh, Kerry said, stop, stop. There was a beggar type person sitting there and he said to John, you got any money? So John had all the spending money for New York, you know, about 10 grand, give it to me. Hmm. And so with that, he got out of the car, stumbled, walked over, gave the beggar 10 grand. He, he, just, he, he had a sympathy with people, just the way he was. He's an amazing fellow, just incredible. Tough, the other thing is about don't get rich. I don't know a rich family that's happy. Yeah, well, that's... No. There you go. Yeah. Here's a good story. We didn't tell this one, here. Um, <laughs> See what I mean? So, so I, what, just, what, I just um and ah occasionally, you know. So, so, <laughs> so, like, so I started with nothing and all those things and arrived and that didn't matter. I didn't know you were supposed to have money so, or two pairs of shoes even, so I was fine. Um, but I, I started this business because I just had the drive to do it in 1976. Uh, it was. It was a new type of business. It, the world wanted to crush me, all that, but, but fought on and, 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 and got through it all. And I always said, you can't beat people like me because I had the best background, you know, like just missed an orphanage, working in a sawmill at 15, um, married a bit young, it was because I thought you had to, uh, alcoholic at 23. Do you ever do that one? 
I was an alcoholic at 23. So how can you meet anybody like that? You know, like you've been there and done it all, so it's all over. So, so um, I, I got our business, got us started, ups and downs. That always happens. It's not just all the, all the way up. Uh, nearly went broke once. Uh, signed four personal guarantees. Never sign a personal guarantee. Very bad. Uh, the other fellow was bad, and I copped 33. I'd suddenly wake up at 33 million dollars in debt and no money. So fixed that. Got through that. Wonderful working working class uh, family um, wife, uh, daughter of a wharfie, um, and how life can change over a period of time. Uh, got to the top, always a struggle because if you're building your own business, it's hard. I used to get up at 5.15, work seven days a week, do all those sort of things. Um, got to um, uh, the 50th anniversary uh, of it. My wife walked in and wanted a divorce, wanted 100 million. That was the end of it. It's all over. So it's okay. I had the 100, but it's okay. She's got it now. And I don't know that it makes her any happier, I'd have to say. All the big families I know... And I've been visiting a couple of them recently about a little fundraiser we've got at the Flory. None are happy. None are happy. They, they, they're worried about uh, oh, what to do about the will, how to divide it up, where it'll go. I said to one, why are you worried? You'll be dead. <laughs> it'll be over. I said, oh, I've got to get it right. I don't think you can. Um, but, but my, my plan is suspended all as long as I know when I'm going to die. But this... I mean, that's a really sad story for you, and I know... I'm okay. I'm through it all. I know, but it it was a very hard... I I only tell it here because anyone who's coming up to their 50th wedding anniversary, (laughs) just take it easy. Take it, take it. (laughs) But, but... How are you going with Rob? You okay? (laughs) Rob, is that okay? (laughs) It's best Uh, if you have nothing to fight over. Exactly. Yeah. You know, retired early, there's nothing there, so yeah. being, we're happy. Being humble is okay. It's okay. But yeah. I suppose the philanthropy, I mean, that's a big issue with your family, isn't well, it? I mean, tell, tell oh, me about well, your... You know, uh, when um, my mother kept running away, it was four kids, the middle two uh, came back pregnant to different men. This is how amazing my father was. So of the four kids, kept that family together. That was an incredible thing. So... Uh, we would, in my case, be sent off somewhere. And this wonderful auntie and uncle, my father's brother, and five, five uh, children, five children. And they were just tremendous. I, I think I would have just lost it without the support of all of that. And just, they're just da- down to earth sort of people. Uh, I remember one uh, Sunday, um, one of them brought back uh, another friend, and lunch had started. The way lunch used to be of a Sunday, lamb, a, a big deal. Uh, all the veggies, you all remember all that, and you'd, you'd use up all the food on all the plates and it would all be gone. And this day, um, one of them came with his other friend, so they find two more chairs, sit down, they find two more uh, spare plates, and we all gave a little bit off each of our plates onto those other two. And that stuck with me ever since, you know, that that ought to be life, that ought to be life. So uh, I, I help people. I think it's what... You gave my wife the willies, I'd have to say. She thought I might give it away, and I might. I might, I might. It's just, um, haven't found a way to take it with me. I've, I've still got the problem of uh, my mother's ashes. We lost them. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's all over. It's all <laughs> I think my sister knows where they are. I don't know. I'm, I'm watching my father's very carefully. I've got to handle it okay. It'll be all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty okay. I, I was with a Muslim man this morning, wonderful, someone we're employing for the Indonesian centre. And uh, his mother, he's, he's about 50, his mother, who's older, said that as you get a bit older and a bit closer to all, you become religious again. You religious? No, I'm not. Do you want to be? No. You're going to die? Well, I where know you, that. Where are you going? I'm going into the ground with the worms. Mm. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm okay with I that. I can't. I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> Funny story about dying. I... Uh, <laughs> I, I found that our little cemetery, doesn't matter anymore, we moved. I found we owned seven homes. Can you believe that? How can you lose track? And, and <laughs> I was very busy. You, you might laugh, but I was busy. And, 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 and um, clearly, my, it was my wife's idea because we divided everything up. She took five of them. She, t- she did. So I finished up with two. Anyway, I found out the little local Eltham Cemetery was going to be, this was uh, five years ago was going to be filled within, just underneath Montsalvat, wonderful. Uh, we're going to be filled within seven years. 
I'd lost all the weight and I realised I was going to live longer than seven years. So I went and bought, this is stupid, I went and bought a family plot. Then my family fell apart. I've now got this plot with ten, for ten people. <laughs> and it's up it's on the, the hill. the same as the plane. I got the plane. Plane for ten and the plot I, for I ten. have, I got that, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, I've got this plot and it's up on the, the best this spot underneath the little Montsalvat church and all of that, looks down on everything, terrific. Then I thought, this is, this is going to be really bad because uh, I'll die and there'll be an argument about what to do with the plot. I better work it out. So there's a wonderful sculptor uh, out, in, out in Eltham, Brian uh, Wilson. Uh, he's done beautiful work uh, in the Matcham Skipper era, which was great artists that were out there. Uh, and I said, I want you to design what's going to be on my plot. He said, when do you want it? I said, well, <laughs> when are you going to die? Because I'm not. So it's up to you. So he designed it, and then we realised that no one any good could build it. So I said, well, you better build it. So it's this beautiful thing of a carajong, which is a wonderful bird that lives out there, and it's modern, and it's got a little gold leaf, a bit flashy, but anyway, it's there. It looks sort of the Eltham artist uh, t- touched it all. So then uh, he built it, and... Um, it's in his garage. And what are we going to do with it in your garage? So we decided what we should do now is build the whole, it's this 10-person plot, build the whole thing and put it all up and put it there waiting for me. Then we thought, when I die, who the hell's going to open it? So I opened it. <laughs> so we've already had this great big ceremony uh, <laughs> of the whole thing. And... It's going to be there. It's, 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 I can't change my mind now. It's all just too far down the track. You know, I've just got to go there. And, and I've moved away from that area. And there's no, there's no parking for visitors. And, and the whole funeral thing wouldn't work. It you just, knew this was going to be life, death and everything, didn't you? <laughs> no, 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 no. And, and, and I, I took someone uh, out there to show them. And she burst into tears. And I thought, well... That's the end of even visiting the damn thing. So, <laughs> so it, it, it'll win an award. It'll be wonderful. The, the only thing, only thing I'm, I'm thinking is about this religious thing, Alex. That you, yep. you've got to, you've got to finally work out where the hell you're going. I know, I'm going to the Eltham Cemetery, so I know, and you don't. No. Which cemetery? Which cemetery? Where? Well, actually, they're a bit tight in Canberra, so you. Same know, thing. I'll probably be cremated. Well, the, the cemeteries are a little bit full here, so you've got either. Uh, hall. Oh, yes, my mother Where? says Is vertically under a tree. Do you, you know. do that? <laughs> but, yeah. but anyway, Harold, I guess we've talked to a lot about the divide between rich and poor. And yeah, terrible. It's yeah. galloped away. Is that where we've got to? Is that when we look around yeah. Trump's well, America, Australia? You're um, right about that. You know what yeah, Pauline it's, Hansen's it's, talking about? It's Is probably... Brexit. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Well, there's there's that Steiglitz fellow I keep talking about. You had him out here. Yeah. Um, He he won a Nobel Prize for economics. His latest book is is uh, exactly on that, and it's it's no clearer than you know you know the story of the top eight people got more than as much as the other 50% of the world, that, that one. Uh, the boss used to get, 25 years ago, the boss used to get anywhere, uh, used to get about 25 to 30 times the worker. That's what it was. Uh, it is now 300 times, 300 times. Uh, it is just stupid, mm. just stupid what people uh, get. Uh, I, I said something publicly the other day about the, the bloke at um, the Australia Post. I quite like him, but it is ridiculous that he gets paid that much. Um, the... Um, uh, the and that was the board's decision, though, isn't it? I mean, ridiculous for them. Ridiculous. Yeah. I, um, I, I, in the business that I ran... Um, I, I paid myself a modest amount because I, I reckon people should have shares and so many people, the story of Janet was amazing that, that when our company finally wound up, we had a public company, went fine, did that and finally it's worth $650 million. The, um, no one ever made this much money in Australia. I made a lot. But I should tell you, uh, I was very proud of the final day when a lady called Janet, who'd been our number three employee in 1976, came along, she'd followed us, she was now much older, obviously, uh, w- lived with her plumber husband up in Shepparton in Victoria. I said, why is Janet coming along? Well, she'd bought shares and she'd followed us, as they all did. Janet's now worth 1.7 million. 
because of the shares in our business. And that's what I think. I mean, if we're all going to do well, that's really good. Let's hope it doesn't cause the trouble. Trouble? The money. That's okay. 1.7 you can handle. <laughs> that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, but when, are, when are we going to get it that it doesn't... Like that, won't happen. That terrible divide between won't rich happen. and poor that just continues. Is that... I mean, does it go to the heart? And to cut money from education to... I know. I'm just reading about what Trump wants to do. He wants to increase defence and take it out of the aid program and everything else. Yeah, just ridiculous. Building another 100 ships. Why do that? Why do that? I, I don't know. I'll tell you one thing I, I say to people now, that I've given up on this lot. I can tell you, you probably gather that. Uh, a, a lot of business people have. A lot of, a lot of people. I ran into big-time uh, executive yesterday. I won't say who he was. He'd just been up here talking to them all. And no-one's going to actually do anything. The only, the only thing that can really push it along is people, all of us and you. Uh, I, I speak out, um, uh, and I, I hope I'm proper about it in every way, but it's, it's got to a point now where, uh, where government people and bureaucrats, who are good, 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 good people, have been totally politicised, and they're not able to give the right advice to what to do. But if you get the pressure of the people, it will go through a couple of phases, I mean, the crazies will get in there and get in their ear. Pauline Hanson, Zenith, uh, I'm not entirely crazy, clever, uh, but, but, but those, they'll get in their ear. Uh, it, that'll, that'll fall over, and out of emerge, that will be the next generation of, of younger leaders, whoever they are, who'll be brave to do it. And then we can't get away in the world by keeping it all, all in, one, in one place. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. I come from Melbourne. The inequality in Melbourne, they're rich, unbelievably rich people. Uh, but the inequality is just terrible. You've seen people sleeping on the streets, the drugs, the young kids out in uh, one of our, uh, 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 one of our uh, suburbs uh, who are from, uh, uh, from North Africa. It's, it's, it's very bad. I suspect you don't have it here too much. Oh, no. We've got a really high homeless rate here. Really? Yeah, one in per capita, West Glen and Melkies, yeah, they know really? about this. And, really? Uh, yeah, really? we're not, you know, the divide between rich and poor. So, is, so is my, my message is, 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 is the people, um, just push back, get in their ear, Yeah. get in their ear, and, and you did it, you do it, you do it. it was, uh, I, uh, um, you know, um, I, it was wonderful, the other day there was a little thing with the leader of the opposition, um, and he's a hard man to get to and all that. And I sent him a text, Bill, if you have a minute, could you call me? One minute later, he rang me. They're all pretty nervous out there, I can tell you that. Malcolm wouldn't do it, but anyway. But uh, push back, because if... And, and age doesn't make a difference. Age is wisdom in every way. I mean, this group here, as influential as anyone should be, because don't let them run us, because they're no good at it. That's the story of it. I think the time has come when you've probably oh. got some questions. Um, and Was that boring, by the way? How do we go? No, really, <laughs> you, know, you never know. How's the dinner? How's the Someone food? want to leave? <laughs> yes, here. Would you? Yeah, love it. Hello. Hello. Um, actually, Alice is going to talk about her career in the media. That's what I want. I want oh, all that. Oh, no, that's boring. I got it started. <laughs> Much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, Harold's... Alex, Harold's. what are you going to do? Career in the... What have you been doing for this 24 years? 27. 27. And we've got to talk about it a little bit. Did you enjoy it? I did. I had the time of my life. It was fantastic. Where do you miss it? Um, look, I'm okay at this stage. I do rant and rave at the telly a bit. Yeah. I throw things occasionally, but, you know, I did that anyway. Did you enjoy was... talking to people? Yeah, I always enjoy talking to people. And yeah, it, yeah, you were good at it too. But sometimes you just know when you're done, and I knew when I was done. And, yeah. I was ha and you know, I was happy to move... You know, been on ABC local radio in Canberra for a long time, and it was mm. time for some new voices there. And so, yes, it was. I was able to call. You, you won't stop talking to people, though, in no. all sorts of forums. No, no, sure do. I'm booked here in June with Hugh McKay, I think. So, you know, yeah, it, you know, I'll continue to do um, some little things like that. But I've got Rob and I've got a daughter in year 12 this year. She's Fabulous. 17. She's my only one. And I just want to pour as much as I can into her. Yeah. Um, speaking of education and speaking and of... And you, you moved from the morning to lunch just so you could be with her more? You once told me that? Yeah, just... I've always tried... And I was really lucky at the ABC being able to... Um, yeah. 
uh, have my mould my job around. So that's why I did gardening with Mark Carmody, which was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. Um, everyone, it, you know, a lot of people said, "Why would you have done ten years of journalism to go and do gardening?" Well, in fact, probably Mark is one of the most natural and gifted communicators you're likely to meet. And he taught me about putting tools down and just going with it. He taught me, taught me about taking the straitjacket off, about tapping into people. He is a people person. There's just no doubt about yeah. it. Um, and so that was a risk that I took. But um, it meant that Zoe, because I worked on the weekends, she only had three days of daycare. I had Monday, Tuesday with her. So perfect. Yeah, yeah, we got to talk about it. How good yeah. is that? And then, I, and then of how course... How about Rob? How, how important was Rob in all this? Rob was very important. <laughs> I'd, I'd mention him on air every now and then. <laughs> well, he got to look after her, of course, on the weekends when I was working, so very strong. They would go out to the bush together. He'd sit up a little desk and send me photos of her writing books yeah. in the forest. Um, our little girl. Um, What's so she going to do after year 12? I don't know, but she's an astounding young girl. And, uh, yeah, good It's yeah. just marvellous. Yeah. Um, she's about to shave her head off for Shave for a Cure. Ooh. She has the most fantastic hair down to here, and she's donating the hair for wigs as well. So yeah. Yeah, I, I'd love you all to sponsor her. <laughs> she's on the Shave for a Cure website, Zoe Thulman. But um, she's, uh, you know, you, how much do we all love our kids? And yeah, that's, yeah, that favorite. to me is the. Mo- I only had one. I had her very late. Yeah. Um, I just want to pour as much as I can into her. Yeah. yeah. You'll miss her when she goes. She'll go. No. Ah. <laughs> I send her off to the world. Um, you know, she's had a gut full of us. You know, the old parents because we're quite. Old. That, who's, who's been to Alex's house? Anyone? Never there. No? <laughs> there's, there's Rob over there. And a couple but, over there. But because we had her quite late. Isn't it the messiest house you've ever seen? <laughs> What do you think, Rob? <laughs> Stuff everywhere. Rob, Rob, robbers are ready to cook. My, my wife was, the, was oh, God. If I, if I took uh, my shirt off when I got home, I'd walk around and it was in the washing machine. It, 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 she was the neatest, neatest person of all time. We're not like that. You're not like, no, you're not like that. A great man of mine was Margaret Ollie. I don't know any of you have ever knew of Margaret Ollie. And you know the Margaret Ollie she used to paint a house? Messy. But wonderful. It's and, and that's why I used to describe Alex and Rob's house as messy but wonderful. I tidied up for the day he came too. I know, I know, I know, you know? I know, I know, I know, I know it's fine. It's been hours, Harold, and he's still just <laughs> it as the messiest house. But yeah. look, you've got some questions for Harold there. Um, no, 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 I did on. my bit. No, no, I, I, I bought all these While your e- extravagant out. notes just to talk to you about it. About you, about you. Got some questions? Come on, I'd love you to ask him some questions and... Really? Really? People never ask me questions. I'm okay with all that. That lady wants to. Do you? No? You're just smiling, eh? <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, I like that. I like it. Yeah, yeah here we go. Oh. Lovely. Imelda. Yeah. What's the most influential book you've read? Oh, oh well done. So, no, I heard Mel, the question. We're right. For both, both of you, that you're both big readers. Um, Hell. Tell us the most influential book you've read. And why? That's good. You go first while I'm thinking. <laughs> we, we, we used, I used to tell Alex the three books I'd been reading on air, sort of. And it was only the one I just grabbed. And I was always influenced enormously by the, whatever was the last one I read. And, and I, I sort of... This appalling rich man today came in to see me. He's, he's, his father was rich, and so he just finished up being rich. And he spends his whole time trying to work out where he's going to go to next and travel. And he, he reads books mostly about rock and roll singers or something. And he says, um, I'd just like to read them. And then I throw them away. So he leaves them in hotel rooms. Could, could you leave a book? You couldn't, surely. Yeah, I can. I, no. I, I, I put in the, our guest bedroom in our very yeah, ordered yeah, house. Oh, that's not quite a leave. In a very it? ordered house. I always leave paperbacks and people start reading them. I say, just take them mm. because I think that's putting them... But my daughter asked me this, actually. Um, she Hell, spent what a, summer a question. Of reading. She spent a summer of reading and she said, what are your... Could you list your favourite books? So I've actually just thought about this exercise. And, and um, I said to her, well, the one that made me want to be a journalist is Josephine Tay's The jo- Daughter of Time. It's about Richard III. If you can get hold of it, it is a fantastic book. And it turns out that Richard III, the little princes outlived him. It was actually a story of discrimination because he had a disability. 
So Wonderful. Shakespeare took his version from Sir Thomas More, who hated Richard III. So it was a story of bias. It was a story of who wrote it down. It was a story of how though. And so for a journalist, and I was about a bit younger than Zoe when I first read that, I went, always see who's written these things down and ask questions. Mm. So a fantastic little book called... And, and Zoe, she went, this is a great... It was in a really old, old penguin yellowing when page. That, when you were young, you read you read that? Yeah, read that, yeah, yeah. As, a, as a 15-year-old. I credit my mother, who's here tonight, with... She'd go to Melbourne and bring back to the farm um, books. Yeah. And that... I mean, I just rode horses and read books. And, yeah. And so yeah, yeah. Uh, it was fantastic. It was a salvation of my life, too, because mm. uh, I, I did read a lot. But I was very shy, believe it or not. Like, uh, you know, if I walked into a shop and I had to order something with someone else there, I'd wait till they left. You know, I just couldn't handle the pressure of speaking in front of someone else. And, um, and so I, I got over that. And I think I got my education, I'd have to say, out of books. And that happened across a whole range. Just I read and read and read just everything, as eclectic as I possibly could be. And the, the only one that um, was nothing, wonderful answer, I can't even match that. <laughs> so, but but in, in a business sense, which changed so much of what I did, um, there was a wonderful story of a man called J.P. Morgan, who really built America and, and what he did like that. And he, he, was, he was the number 40 Wall Street. He was one of the famous merchant bankers. And uh, he, he um, there were many things he did. It's a great story. And I, built, I actually built a business around uh, what he did. Uh, but uh, in the middle of it all um, was, was one thing about J.P. Morgan. Everybody from presidents to big businessmen uh, to just the man in the street trusted him. And he had all the secrets. He had all the secrets. So he... He, uh, when they were building the railroads, three railroads out to the Middle West, um, his firm was uh, funding all three, knew all the secrets of all three. That was the beginning of the Chinese walls. They wouldn't tell each other, and they, they made it all work. And I think I built much of my, my latter life in business on the fact that people, that people need to trust you. And, in fact, that's, that's a, a great story of life that, uh, you know, if you can trust each other, um, it's, it's a real basis. And, you know, I don't trust him. That's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. I think, I think that was mine. Bad answer. Yours and, are the best. And, I like no, yours. And Harold, I just, just made me think, do you think democracy in the form that we've got it is buggered? Yeah. Is the party system, is it, it, is just, it time? As they say, it's just better than everything else. But then I, I think I go, to, uh, uh, I go to Asia a lot. Um, it's only vaguely democratic. Indonesia is, but it was you know, mm. run by a family of despots for a long time. Uh, our Australian government, I don't think they quite believe that they're democratic as they, the way they should be in Indonesia. China, I mean, you can talk about all the terrible things they do to their people, but they have brought half a billion people out of poverty since Tiananmen Square. Never been a democracy. Uh, and, and so, so democracy is, is a wonderful thing, but just has to be, it should not be taken for granted and just have to be very carefully handled. I don't like... Um, I got a document the other day, redacted. You just heard redacted? So the officials leave out the stuff they don't want to tell you. That's not democracy. That's rubbish. So it has to be handled carefully, but we've got it and we're good because of it. And over the whole of the period, I mean, like 24 million people here, we've done okay. We've been very lucky. Uh, we've had... Uh, um, the, the, we, we, we dug up things or we grew things and uh, this last 15 years, we've had um, one of the great booms that got us through it all. We mucked up half of it, uh, but we're still there with it. We need to haul people back in what to do. Uh, we had uh, my city of Melbourne in 1901 had uh, the highest per capita income of the world because of the 50 years of the gold. Uh, we had in the, uh, in the 50s in the country, I can remember this so much, of the, the wool boom in the Korean War and things like that. We have been a very lucky country. But uh, George Megalogenis, who you talked to George, wrote a great book that said, this is our last chance. We better get this thing right now because you just can't expect a mining or a gold uh, or a wool boom to come along uh, too often. Now it's up to what's, what we've got in our head. We've got highly educated people. Um, we, we are not well led. We are not well led. We all know that. We try to tiptoe around the people. They're all good people. They're all good people. But... Um, but these people, um, they, they look inwards, and you shouldn't do that. You need to look out to the world uh, in every way. I'm, I'm opening a thing that uh, uh, one of the think tanks did that I was just reading on the plane coming up, which is we better learn to embrace Asia, uh, and we better realise that we're a trading nation with them, 
and we can't close up, we can't do the Pauline Hanson stuff, that's all pathetic. We can't do that in any way. Um, and we've done it before and we need to do it again and then we'll be a great country. Otherwise, I gave the, the Ollie lecture, you know, the Andrew Ollie lecture in 2003, occasionally I go back and look at it, and, and I, I said then that this will most likely, unless we change it, be the last generation where every generation wanted their kids, your mama's here, wanted their kids to be wealthier and better off and live longer than they did. And they, mums worked to, worked, they went to work, you know, that happened, just so their kids could go to a better school and have a better life in every way like that. We are the last generation where that will happen. Our kids will now be poorer and, and we need to do something well, about it. Well, they can't it. buy houses. They can't That's get right. in. They can't do that. Year nine education, um, a quarter of the kids are not been educated well enough to, one, get a job or two, go on to year 10. And, you know, it's ridiculous. We should be able to like that. Um, we, we need uh, to be a society that understands ourselves much better, to be less selfish. I'm, I'm not saying anyone is selfish of their own accord. We've just got used to the way it was. We've had 15 years of just incredible wealth rolling in. Stopped. It is stopped. All that balancing the budget stuff can't happen. Can't happen. So, so that's, that's, that's what it is. Australian people, as good people, as good as you could ever get. Mm -hmm. I think our Director-General oh, is, is coming to deal with us. Time to go home? Okay. I'm, I'm going out to my I'm little... I'm not sure my, whether to I'm be my little dogs op incredibly optimistic or incredibly pessimistic. <clears throat> After listening to Harold tonight, um, I'm going to go with optimism because... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, optimism. And I have decided that he could actually sell us death as a good deal, <laughs> uh, given that he's told us he about his... Art. You know, yeah, yeah, indeed, including, including with art. So, um, <laughs> so look, I think uh, I, I'd like you to, to thank a few people for tonight while you're tucking into dessert because it's looking mighty good there and our guests haven't eaten tonight yet. I don't know if I... I have I to say. To, I um, but so we have run out of time for this part of the evening... Um, but I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I encourage you, of course, to, to visit our wonderful exhibition and, of course, so many of the things that have come through tonight's talk about our society, about how we feel about wealth. Um, you know, advertising is, is all about helping us all to feel more wealthy and we've just heard that probably our children won't be. Um, I'd encourage you to reminisce about the brands and campaigns that are part of our personal histories um, and to feel perhaps just a little bit older than you wish to when you have a look at the ads. Um, firstly, though, I'd like to thank our event partners, uh, Eden Road Wines and Bookplate, who've been slipping in and out, feeding you good nosh for tonight, uh, and your ongoing support for our public programs is greatly appreciated. Um, now, I'm sure that this pair are going to be happy to keep conversing with you um, once they're unmiked, but I'd like you to ask us to ask you all to thank them very much for their chat this evening. Thank you.